This week on Raffi Reviews, Raffi Reviews, WandaVision. So, right off the bat, little disclaimer, it has been too long since I've done a Raffi review. That is because at the time of this recording, we are still battling with uh, a virus. <laughs> and so a lot of things have been pushed out, haven't come out in theaters. I don't think I've been to theaters since uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> um, fortunately, we have WandaVision. Uh the first of Marvel's Disney Plus eight episode, or sorry, nine episode series. Um, yeah, it came out, what, like nine weeks ago? <laughs> I really should have written down dates and stuff, but um, yeah. This is uh, going to be kind of a different review, because if you've been following all my podcasts and stuff, you know that I've been keeping up with the show week to week and been reviewing every episode individually. Um, or at least talking about them. It's not like I grade every episode, but, um, I've been talking about the show, so I've already gotten a lot out of the way. This is going to be sort of just a generalized review of WandaVision. I didn't want to go back and binge the whole show, but I did want to talk about some aspects that are, you know, littered throughout the show and just how I feel about it in general. Um, not just from a story standpoint, but also production standpoint, how I think people responded to WandaVision, which I think is also kind of an interesting discussion to have, and uh, all that good stuff. So, like the other reviews I've done, I'm going to start with cast, because talking about the characters, it, is, it, it gets a lot of the story out of the way. Um, <clears throat> so, first and foremost, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is the lead in this. She plays Wanda Maximoff, aka the Scarlet Witch, which she doesn't really become until about the end of the show. So, obviously, we've seen Wanda before this show. Um, Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, um, Infinity War, and then Endgame. She had a big, uh, a big splash fight in that movie. And it's interesting, right? Because in the comics, I always knew Scarlet Witch as uh, kind of like a beehive of a character. Um... She was never really a character that I thought was, like, fun. Um, I would probably say she's one of the lesser fun Avengers characters, but she is incredibly powerful, very much uh, a traumatized character that's been through a lot, both in the comics and the movies. And it's, I think, really wise of them for their first show, at least to give a show at all, to a, char a character like Wanda, given how powerful she's supposed to be. Um, but also from a character standpoint, because ignoring the comics, ignoring WandaVision, if you just look at the, like, history of this character in the movies, it's kind of crazy how much of a raw deal she gets. Like, a lot of bad things happen to good characters, obviously. Um, but when you compare Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, um, I guess Thor lost, like, almost everything. But, like, you know... 
you compare Tony or Steve to someone like Wanda, and it's like, Wanda's highs aren't as prolific as her lows, if that makes any sense. Like, obviously, uh, what is it? <laughs> Tony was kidnapped by terrorists, and, I mean, what else really happened to him? I guess he lost, he didn't lose his company, he was just, like, separated from his company in, like, in, like, the third movie. Um, he kind of lost all his friends, I guess. His parents were assassinated. Like, but aside from that, he's a success, he, he was a successful business owner. Um, you know, one of the richest, smartest people on earth. You know, same with Steve. Like, he was taken away from his entire world when he was frozen and dethawed in the, you know, the modern day. But even then, he kind of found a new family with the Avengers and he kind of found his footing, he found a place for himself in the world, and it just seems like not a lot of characters in the MCU have it as bad as Wanda. She lost her brother, she, you know, lost her parents at a very early age. Um, the entire country of Sokovia, where she comes from, was basically destroyed. Um, and then, as soon as she's pulled to America to kind of live a better life her new family of the Avengers is splintered by the Sokovia Accords. Um, it just seems like, you know, the better parts of Wanda's life aren't as loud as the the worst parts of her life. So, to give a character with so much trauma and backstory, uh, you know, her own show, I think was a, a good idea. And it's, it's interesting, too, because, and I'm sure I'll talk about it later, but this show does a good job at sort of I think slowly feeding the viewer, you know, the first couple episodes are just straight-up sitcom episodes. You're kind of left wondering, okay, what's going on? Like, what is actually happening in the background of this? Um, because the show came out week to week, we had a lot of, like, different theories about what was happening. And, and if someone was doing something to Wanda, if Wanda was controlling the narrative, and I think that was good. But as the show goes on, not only do you learn more about what the show WandaVision is about, but you learn more about what's really going on in Wanda's life and how much of it... Because she... She's just in a really bad place, mentally speaking. And I think it's a good study of... Like, above all else, WandaVision is a character study of what happens when you take someone who has this... this this swell of power and has too much baggage to know how to control it. You know, up until this point, Wanda's always had sort of a leading hand when it came to her powers. She had Hydra, she had the Avengers, and she had Vision. And now she's just left on her own, and this is, this is the result of it. This is the result of an un- tied Wanda, I guess. Um, as far as performance goes, one of the things I'm really impressed with this show is that not only did Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bentley have to, you know, play their characters of Wanda and Vision, but they had to, <laughs> they had to play their characters playing television characters. Um, you know, Wanda couldn't just act like I Love Lucy or the bewitched 
female care. I don't know who the lady from Big Witch is named. I don't know. Um, but she couldn't just act like a TV housewife or a, a typical sitcom woman. She had to act the way Wanda Maximoff would act in the context of a sitcom. And the same goes for Vision, which I imagine might have been harder given the fact that, you know, Vision as a character in the MCU lend, like, doesn't lend himself to a sitcom scenario as well as Wanda would because Vision has less experience just being a, a person. Um, and of course, like, when you do get to the real Wanda stuff, I think Elizabeth, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen knows how to play this character very well. She knows when to make her vulnerable. She knows when to kind of lay on the imposingness of Wanda, like lay it on thick, and that's really impressive. Um, she comes across as scary. She comes across as afraid. And she comes across as unsure. There's never a moment in WandaVision where Wanda is supposed to be feeling one way and it's not properly conveyed. You can definitely tell when she's confused and when she's, you know, sure of herself. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, just generally, like, it's... It was a good idea to, to do this show, ultimately. In terms of, like, you know, actress careers and stuff, it really gives... Olsen the chance to show off some sort of, some dimensions to how she can act. Um, again, not just with a character that she's been doing for a good number of years now, but also to show she can lend herself to other formats as well. Uh, other deviations of this character. Um, do I have anything else to say about Elizabeth Olsen? Um... I like that she wore the Scarlet Witch costume for Halloween and then also wore it at the end of the show. That was nice. Um, obviously, the show does a lot to expand Wanda as, like, a powerhouse threat. You know, by the end of this, she learns a few more magic tricks. <laughs> she learns um, that her powers are magic, are based in magic. And, I don't know, it, the show does a lot to, like, empower Wanda, but also break her down as a person, and it's like, it's kind of hard to tell the character progression of, like, let's say, Thor, between Avengers 1, Thor 2, and Avengers 2. It's it's kind of hard to stand there and say, okay, well, Thor has been fundamentally changed because of what happened in this movie, or because of what happened in this movie over here. With Wanda, you you kind of see the changes happen slowly throughout the movies, um, but no more clear is it in this show where the Wanda we knew, let's say, beginning of Infinity War, and the Wanda we, that we get by the end of WandaVision, obviously they're the same character, obviously there are going to be similarities, but there is some huge changes in their outlook, and sort of their motivation. This feels like a Wanda that doesn't feel unsure or lost. It feels like a Wanda who, by the end, has a mission statement, who has a goal and some idea of where she's going in life. And it, it, it taps into a character, I guess, uh, trait that I really admire. It seems like Wanda is the kind of character, by the end of this, who 
knows she's dangerous, knows she has a lot of destructive power, and is trying to control it. You know, she's trying not to be the thing that other characters are afraid she'll become. But she's not asking for help. She thinks that she can do it on her own, which is sort of a result of, well, every time I've depended on people, they've either died or left me. And I think that's a good direction for her. Um, by the end of this, it is very interesting and exciting to know that she'll be in a Doctor Strange movie. And it's going to be cool to see her play off of Doctor Strange, given what happens in this show. If I have anything else to say about Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda, I'll be sure to bring it up in um, you know, later parts of this review. But I don't want to stick to one part too often. I think, <laughs> given the fact that I've been reviewing WandaVision every week, um, I don't think I'm necessary. I'm not worried that I'm going to miss something. Just, like, I I've talked so much about the show. If there is something I overlook, it probably isn't as important as, um, you know, I think it is. I mean, I've already, I'm, again, I've mentioned in past podcasts, oh, it seems like Wanda is the fastest learner in the Marvel Universe, or... You know, it's really neat that Wanda learned English from American television. Like, I've, I've talked to death about this character. Um, and really, just there's just so many more parts of the show I want to get to here. Um, so, Paul Bentley as Vision. Um, I'm very happy <laughs> with, uh, with this show's depiction of the Vision. Because... You know, prior to Age of Ultron, I knew who the Vision was. I thought he was, you know, a neat character in the comics. Um, I read Tom King's Vision comic, and it really changed my perception of the character. And it really made me appreciate the Vision as a character. Um, along with that, definitely his appearance in Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, which is a animated series from, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and that was a really good depiction of him, too. He's kind of just the classic, like, robot becoming human sort of uh, story. And uh, Vision's an incredibly powerful character, just like Wanda. His body's made out of vibranium. He has this superior intelligence that's sort of fueled on from Jarvis, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, and Ultron, as well as the Mind Stone. Um, for a while, there was definitely, like, in the MCU anyway, there was definitely the worry of, well, he's got the Mind Stone in his head and we know Thanos wants the stones, and, you know, that that played out exactly as I think most people suspected it to. But, nevertheless, his death in Infinity War was not shocking, but, like, it stood out. Um, mainly because it was one of the only deaths that wasn't brought on by the snap itself. It was, it was unique to him. And, uh, you know, in that time, his body had been taken by sword, um... It, the other thing about Vision is that it, it really... His existence raises a question of how sentient or how human is he? Because he's an artificial intelligence that's sort of borderline human in intelligence, but his body isn't. Like, in... Uh, what's that movie? <laughs> I talked about it nine times already. In Captain America Civil War, when the government has the Sokovia Accords... They have sections for everyone to sign. They have Steve Rogers sign here, Tony Stark sign here. And then it just says Vision sign here. So obviously they consider him to be 
like, I stress to say a human citizen, but they, they, they consider him to, you know, have free will. The Vision can choose whether or not to sign the Zakovia Accords. And, you know, other parts of the show have shown that Vision can buy the deed to a house. The Vision has funds. He has money. So, for all intents and purposes, he is a person who has the same legal status as Tony Stark, as, you know, Steve Rogers, another case. He always was one, but, you know, again, time displacement and everything. But the point is that he's considered a person, and yet when he dies, rather than bury him, because they do consider his will, um, there's a part where Hayward brings up that in the Vision's will, he didn't want to be used as a weapon after his death. Um, but part of me feels like, you know, if he has a will, again, that's the factor of being a normal person. But then after he's, he dies, his body is taken by a government organization anyway. Um, which would lead you to think, okay, well that just means he's a robot. So it's, they really... They really skirt the line of he's human enough for A, but he's also not human enough for B. You know, it's not like if a regular person died who had no powers or anything, the government would take his body without any consent. I mean, they probably would because it's the government, but I don't know. It'd be a different story if in the Vision's will he signed, you know, I'm totally open to my body being used for science or whatever. Because I know that's something people can do in their will is like donate my dead body to science, which is like... I don't know. I'm sure that's helpful. I think I'd... Me, personally, I'd probably be more comfortable with, like, transplants and stuff. But, like, I, it's a little too vague to be, like, donate my body to science. <laughs> I, f I feel like if you're more specific, it, it lines up. It makes more sense to me. Um, but as far as, like, you know, Paul Bentley as the Vision, it was great to see him get to do this character again, but way differently. Because not only, like I said before, it's it's not Paul Bentley playing the Vision, it's Paul Bentley playing, like, Wanda's interpretation of the Vision set against various sitcoms of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and so on. Um, and even then, you remove the, the factor of the sitcom, and this is still a Vision who has no memory. This is a Vision who has no Mind Stone, this is a Vision who isn't real. He's just based on Wanda's memory of him, like his personality, um, which is also just a really cool factor to this. Um, again, this is something I mentioned in, in all my episode reviews, but I really like that when Wanda created the Vision, she created him to be so genuine that he's smart enough to know that he's in some sort of sitcom scenario and that the world isn't right, the world isn't programmed the way it's supposed to be. Um, and when he finds out what's going on, he thinks it's wrong, and he calls Wanda out, like, thinking that he, that she's responsible, and, like, no, like, rightfully knowing that she is responsible for everything, and being against it, and, like, it, it really shows the level of admiration that Wanda had for Vision, that even in this act of selfish, selfish, ah, selfishness to sort of recreate him, she couldn't have it be anything but 100% genuine to who the Vision is as a, as a person. Um, and it's just great to see Vision be funny. You know, you, you get a few scenes like that, 
Same with Wanda, you get a few bits of her being funny in like the movies and stuff. But it being a sitcom really allows Paul Bentley to just kind of stretch his acting legs and be like, you know, I can do comedy. I can do, you know, rom-com stuff. I can be sultry, I guess. Um, I can show all these dimensions to a character while wearing this ridiculous red makeup. Um, which, again, I think they handle that really well. I like that every every one of the sitcom scenarios, up to a point anyway, every one of the sitcom scenarios, uh, the the story, in quotations, to the, the WandaVision sitcom is that one of them is a witch. Well, not a witch, I guess. No, do they even call her a witch? One of them is magic. Is it even magic? I don't know. They just say that one of them has powers and the other one's a robot. So, like, I just like that they keep that in there. It it, it becomes, like, the overall, like, the continuing backstory for every one of these sitcoms to a point. And I like that a lot. Um, and it also applies to sort of sitcom logic, or I guess what they think is sitcom logic. In episode two... Division eats a piece of gum, it goes down its throat, and it grinds up his gears. Even though, like, you have to assume Vision doesn't have gears. He, he's, you know, he's more complex than that. In fact, you see kind of his innards when they pull him apart at S.W.O.R.D., but, like, I don't think he has gears inside of him, and I don't think gum would actually, like, really, like, he could just phase the gum out, <laughs> I guess. No, wait, because that part of him was broken in that episode. Anyway, I'm just saying I like that him being a machine, or at least partly a machine, it plays into the sitcom funniness. Like it plays into the the joke of uh, of certain episodes. Um, like when he, he he has that job and he's working on a on a computer, and someone's like, "Oh man, it's like you can talk to this thing. It's like you can understand its language." And Vision's like, "Huh? Yeah, that's just because I'm good with computers, not because I'm you know." Uh, specially designed to link up with computers or anything like that. Like, that's cool. I like that. I like stuff like that. Um, and then, obviously, like, the other part of Paul Bentley playing the Vision is that he gets to play him... Like, he played him one way in the MCU. Now he's playing him a different way in WandaVision. And then he gets to play him a third way when they introduced White Vision in Episode Eight, Um, which is great. He kind of just gets to play it straightforward. He's kind of just blank slate robot but again contrasted against what we've seen paul bentley play um in the episodes beforehand it again it, it shows off that like he can do dull muted robot and he can also do like a, a, f a full personality with a face made of red metal or whatever <laughs> um but yeah i really like vision in this show um, I'm really glad that Paul Bentley got to do sort of a, like, a proper send-off to the character, even though we know White Vision is still knocking around somewhere. Um, and I'm excited that they get to sort of keep him, you know. Paul Bentley's been part of this universe since Iron Man 1, so it feels really thoughtful that even in death, the Vision gets to be part of the MCU. I think that's really nice. Um, it, it's way more respect to a character that was often overlooked in the comics. So, I appreciate that a lot. Um, another character we can talk about real quick is Josh Stamberg, who plays director Hayward. Now, Hayward is a character that I was very much 
suspicious of, and not for the obvious reasons, you know, they play it straight out the gate that Hayward is an asshole. He's a bad guy. He He's blaming Wanda for everything. He creates a new vision. He's lying to Monica and basically everyone at S.W.O.R.D. Um, and he's trying to maintain, maintain control of S.W.O.R.D. while also, you know, push the narrative in the direction he wants to push it in. And the entire time there were people that were theorizing maybe Hayward is Mephisto, maybe Hayward is Ultron, maybe Hayward is anything other than a generic, like, evil government guy. And I was in the same boat, not because I wanted to see Mephisto or Ultron or Red Skull or whatever, but because I didn't want Hayward to be just the generic government guy. We, at least with Marvel, I feel like we've stretched out beyond that that archetype. It's been, like, it feels kind of beneath the MCU to have just, well, I'm from the government, and I say it's going this way. It just feels sort of uh, below, I think, the standard of Marvel villains nowadays. Um, it, it feels like an old General Ross character. It feels like, uh, who else? I don't know. I guess General Ross is kind of the best scale. Oh, it kind of feels like the S.H.I.E.L.D. director from Captain America Winter Soldier, who turned out to be part of Hydra. It kind of feels like that character, too. Um, it's just, like, old silver-haired white man, <laughs> you know, who doesn't like things that aren't like him. He doesn't like, you know, um, stuff like that. And, like, that's not to say that's not a good villain, especially nowadays, uh, because, you know, people that look and behave that way are actually real villains. Um, but there was no kind of twist to him. We We know in later episodes that he kind of manipulated events to... I don't think I don't think it was his intention to make Wanda go do what she did, but afterwards he definitely twisted the narrative to make it look like she was in the wrong and he was just trying to help people. Um, and what's interesting is you know, and I saw someone talk about this in another review, but it's interesting to me because WandaVision is a show all about changing the narrative and making someone who, who making someone look good and look like they're in the right when they're doing something wrong. Like, we know what Wanda's doing is wrong, and yet we're not blaming her or singling her out because we know what she's been through, you know? And yet, at the same time, you have Hayward, who is trying to free a town of brainwashed, enslaved citizens who are being tormented by Wanda, and he's trying to rescue them by basically taking out the problem at its source. He thinks that by killing Wanda, it'll end the whole thing and people will be safe. And that's all he's trying to achieve. With Vision, yeah, that's where he gets a little fucked up because he's going against Vision's will to make this killer robot or whatever. Um, and, and obviously he doctored footage. Like, it feels like, like they made it so Hayward did some things that were dubious in nature to sort of cover up the fact that, at the end of the day, he's just trying to rescue these people. Like, by the end of the show, these people are like, no, like, Wanda put us in a box, and she brainwashed us and keep, kept us away from our families. Like, what Wanda did was wrong. And yet, by the end of the show, Monica, um, another character we'll talk about, Monica is talk to, talking to Wanda, and she's like, you'll never know, or these people will never know what you sacrificed to save them. And it's like, that's not correct 
in the way that you're saying it. Yes, Wanda had to sacrifice a lot to save these people, but she was only saving them from herself. These people wouldn't be in the situation they're in if Wanda hadn't put them, put them in it. Like, all of this is her fault. And she has no one to blame for the birth and death of her children, as well as Vision himself, but herself. You know, it's not Hayward's fault. It's not even Agatha's fault. Wanda started this whole thing. Um, you know, it, it's a classic Tony Stark situation. She created her own problem so that she could punch it in the face. Um, but at the same time, we're supposed to see Hayward as the villain because he tried to shoot kids and he, you know, defiled Vision's corpse and stuff. But again, he's trying to do the right thing, but we don't see it that way. And again, it, it plays with the perception of this show. It's, it's all about perspective and it's all about how you basically edit the episode. In this show in both a meta context and, a, in a, and in a literal way, will edit the episode to change the narrative, to change the perspective, and to put us on the side of Wanda instead of the side of Hayward. Um, so in that aspect, I understand why Hayward is such a simple character, because the show around him, um, it makes you see him one way when you can also see him a different way. I'm not saying that makes him a good character or a good villain, but it's understandable why he's such a simple byproduct in comparison to other villains we've seen in this universe. Catherine Hahn as uh, Agatha Harkness, or Agnes. Terrific job. I'm so glad they kept her alive. Um, I know that her like goal is ultimately pretty like thin. Like You know, it, it's... She just wants Wanda's powers, and she's worried about what Wanda could be with with her power, with no control. Um, I don't know. I think in terms of, like, performance and stuff, I really liked Agnes. Um, she's just, like, a beacon of personality. She's loud. She, you know, when she turns out to be evil, she loves being evil. Um, you know... I like it, you know, because while Hayward is obvious in the kind of character he's supposed to be, at least Agatha is an obvious character, but the character that she's obviously being is a fun one. You know, it's 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 hackney, she's hamming it up, she's chewing scenery. Um, it's almost campy in the way that she performs as a villain. Um, and yeah, her like witch appearance is kind of goofy looking, and... Ultimately, the witch stuff she does isn't crazy. Like, she has the dark old, she has dark runes, um, she has, like, a rabbit, <laughs> you know, she's got, like, a familiar, and she does magic here and there, um, you know, nothing she does is necessarily, like, I don't know, beyond what we've seen before. That being said, though, I think what the character lacks in creativity um, she just makes up with, with personality. I really like Catherine Hahn as Agatha. I really liked... You know, people called it from day one that, Ag that Agnes was Agatha Harkness. But, you know, even though they called that, it still felt like really... What's the word? Not refreshing. It was satisfying to see Agnes eventually just come out and be like, Yeah, my name's Agatha Harkness. I'm the bad guy. It was me all along. And, like, people sort of suspected, oh, well, it can't just be her, right? There has to be some, there has to be Nightmare or Mephisto or someone else in the background, and no, it's just Agatha. 
because the show isn't about the wider multiverse or you know demons or anything. It, it's barely even about magic. It's it's just about this character Wanda, and like someone of similar power trying to take advantage of this trauma that Wanda's going through. You know, Agatha comes in and she's like, "Oh, I see that you're suffering." I don't care about that. Just like give me your power. Like I, I want that power. Um, and again, it's it's very two dimensional, but it it helps. I think want the the show. Like, it helps the entire Disney Plus show of Wandavision in its sort of sleight of hand because we all suspected there'd be another villain, and there isn't. We all suspected that maybe. Agatha was the one who made this reality, and she isn't. She's controlled some aspects, but she isn't... She, she's, you know... She's not the big villain. Wanda is the big villain to herself. Um, and I just... Ah, she did such a good job, and I'm glad they kept her around. I'm, I hope they... You know, maybe we'll see her in the next Doctor Strange. I don't know. Maybe we'll see her in another show, another movie. Um, I'm just glad that they didn't kill her off. Um... Yeah, Catherine Hawking, Agatha Harkness. Again, just such a fun character. Um, except for the part where she's almost burned at a stake. <laughs> um, so Randall Park as Jimmy Woo. He reappears in this. He was in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Love this character. He he gives me very much like early Coulson vibes. Um, people really want Jimmy Woo to get his own show. I'm totally cool with that. I'd be... I'd be fine with that, but I'd be also be fine with if Jimmy Woo just kind of showed up in, like, future movies, or he was sort of like a linchpin in all of the Disney Plus shows. Um, he's just a lot of fun. Um, similar to, to Kat Dennings, I was really hoping Randall Park would get a chance to almost do another interpretation of his sitcom character, um, because like Kat Dennings, Randall Park was in a sitcom. He was, he was in a sitcom called Off the Boat, um... And this show is all about sitcoms, so it would have been kind of funny if, uh, I don't know, they got to do a little spin on his uh, his sitcom character. Otherwise, though, obviously, Jimmy Woo knows close-up magic tricks, like with his business card, paper clips. Um, I really appreciate in this show, you know, which progressively shows aspects of witch magic in the MCU. It's sort of counterbalanced with, like, real physical human magic, you know, sort of like... What what humans depict as magic when it's not a superhuman being? Because Jimmy Woo is doing magic tricks now and again. Um, he's just a all-around like really good character, really good person. And he's a refreshing character, because you don't suspect much with Jimmy Woo. You, you get everything right off the cuff. There's no you know dark, secret backstory. There's no hidden swell of power that he hasn't found yet. Um, there isn't an ulterior motive to, you know, one-up someone else and come out on top. At the end of the day, Jimmy Woo is, he's a hero, and he wants to be a hero, and he wants to do the right thing. Um, even when you see him in, uh, what is it, Ant-Man and the Wasp, he isn't necessarily, um, confrontational with Scott Lang. Like, he's just like, Scott, I'm doing my job, but this is nothing personal, I just, I need you to play ball because this is the law, and this is what I've been put up for. Um... This show really made me appreciate Jimmy Woo as a character, because um, again, I nearly forgot he was part of the MCU. He's only been in one other thing, so more Jimmy Woo would be much appreciated. Cat uh, Dennings is Darcy. This is kind of a weird one. 
Um, I do like Kat Dennings as an actress. I do. I can't say I like Darcy. I like Darcy in this. I didn't much care for her in the Thor movies, but it's really cool, again, to bring back a supporting character from other stuff. Um, I think I skipped Monica, but I'll go back to her in a second. Um, but yeah, Darcy is there. You know, They introduce her in episode four with a lot of the other supporting characters. Um, it is endearing to see her become a fan of WandaVision, even though like the conception of the sitcom is sort of wrapped in a misuse of power and, and, you know, an understatement of trauma. And again, this is a character who, well, it's an actress who, you know, kind of dirtied her boots doing sitcoms, um, or the two broke girls, you know, um, she, she figures out a lot of the science stuff. She's a good, you know, if Jimmy Woo is going to get a show, definitely stick, uh, Darcy in there too. Um, she has sort of a satisfying end to the show where she ultimately is the one that takes down Hayward, but it would have been nice if she had a proper send-off and didn't just disappear. Um, I really don't feel like that's a writing thing. I really feel like if this was done maybe the way it was supposed to, she would have been with Jimmy Woo at the end when, when Monica, like, approached them. But, I don't know, maybe it was just, you know, a time constraint thing. Maybe it was, maybe the, the virus kind of fucked with that scene, uh, you know, uh, what's her name, Kat Dennings had the quarantine, I don't know, um, but for the impact she made in the show, I think she did a very, very good job, um, she didn't feel unnecessary, I think when you put her in a Thor movie alongside Jane Foster and stuff, she doesn't feel like she needs to be there, but you put her in stuff like this, where there's other supporting characters who are trying to figure out what's going on, and Darcy serves much more of a purpose, you know, she feels useful in, in the overall plot. When it's Thor, it's like, you know, how's he going to solve the problem? He'll throw a hammer at the Dark Elf, or he'll break down the Rainbow Bridge, or he'll overpower this overwhelming force, while Darcy just, you know, stands in the background calling Hammer Moo Moo. Like, there's really nothing for her to do in those movies. Um, but in a show like this, where her, her specialties are put into the forefront... Uh, she becomes much more useful and a much more engaging character. Um, so going back, because I, I missed this character in my lineup here, uh, Tayona Paris as Monica Rambeau. Again, a supporting character, even though the actress is different. Last time we saw Monica Rambeau, she was like 10 years old in the, the Captain Marvel movie. And like, in that movie she was just, you know, a kid character. And it was, it was endearing to see her interact with Carol Danvers. I was called I was called Carol Ferris, like uh, was it Star Sapphire in DC, but you know, again, this is a character I didn't have much reverence for because she was just a kid in Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel as a movie, I wasn't super into. But as an adult, you know, with Monica having been vanished and then coming back, and her mother had passed from cancer. And then she's trying to get back in the sword, but Hayward is, like, trying to ground her and stuff. All, like, off the bat, like, the first time you meet this character in episode four, I mean, you, you see her in episode two and stuff, um, but when you meet her as a real person in episode four, um, it's like, it, it was smart to start with her origin story because it makes her a kind of an underdog, but just, like, a, a character you can really root for, like, giving her the backstory that she has, seeing her matched up against Hayward and, and his whole government scheme, I guess, um, 
you know, it makes you root for this character. And her interactions with Darcy and Jimmy are great. There's a clear sign that she is, you know, hesitant, if not, like, what's the word? She has some, like, beef <laughs> with Captain Marvel. She doesn't want to talk about Captain Marvel. Even when people bring it up, she shoots it down. So clearly, there's some 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 conversation there that we're probably going to see in Captain Marvel too, because uh, Monica's going to be in that, um, which is cool too, because I, I know Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, is also going to be in the Captain Marvel sequel. So you'll get to see sort of Carol's biggest fan matched up against Carol's ex-fan. I think it's going to be cool to see Monica interact with this person that loves Captain Marvel and basically be like, yeah, well, Captain Marvel can't do anything. Take my word for it. I was all like you once upon a time. There's a lot of good character stuff to to explore with Monica. I think as a character in the MCU, she's a much needed new character. Um, and again, like people don't really talk about it, but like the MCU has done a really good job with... And I, I only bring it up because it seems like more relevant nowadays that there are important, powerful, and deeply characterized African-American characters in these shows. Um, you know, we're getting, Fal we're getting a show about the Falcon. Uh, we're getting a show that's going to star Nick Fury. We're going to get a show that stars uh, Rhodey. And those characters have always sort of been part of the MCU, but now we're getting more of a highlight, a more in-depth look at those characters and, and what who they are. Um, and Monica is just a great jumping-off point for... If you're looking for a character that, you know, is African-American and still gets to be more than just, oh, I'm here to support the white guy. You know what I mean? It does get like that a little bit towards the end, again, because she's the one that tells Wanda, oh, you're in the right. These people will never know what you sacrificed. That, I didn't like that line at all, especially, the, especially to have the one black character basically, like, tell Wanda, oh, you're good. You know, what you, you're, you, <laughs> don't feel bad about this, basically. That's not, uh, that's a bad image, I think. I think that's sort of a hindrance in the show's, uh, in, in, in the, uh, what is it? What's the word? In the moment, I don't know. There's another word. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my vocabulary has some spots missing. I think, I think someone went through the history of my wordage and, edited the footage so that certain words didn't show up. Um, hindsight, that was probably the word I was looking for. So, yeah, Monica's awesome. She has superpowers now, I guess because of the, the Wanda bubble. Um, I'm excited to see what she can do, especially because it seems like her powers... This is such a little thing, but I really like powers that are sort of divided up by spectrum colors. Um, so when she sees magic, she sees purple. When... You know, she sees radio waves, she sees blue. Um, when, she's, when she sees kinetic energy, she sees, like, yellow. Um, that'll be cool to see in, like, future projects. But, yeah, Monica Rambeau, awesome character. Can't wait to see more from her. She'll probably show up in Secret Invasion. That'll be neat. Uh, let's see. Evan Peters as uh, Ralph Boner, the fake Quicksilver, the fake Pietro. Uh, I wanted to include him in this because he has such a... When he first showed up in, I don't know, episode 6? Episode 5? 
I think it was five. When he first shows up, people were losing their mind. People were like, mutants confirmed, multiverse confirmed. And, you know, I was in that boat too. My first thought was like, okay, is this a multiverse thing? My second thought was, oh, maybe this is how Wanda creates mutants. Maybe she just makes mutants part of the universe after learning what this Quicksilver's deal is. And, you know, as the show went on and we got to see him interact with the kids and stuff, it became more clear that Quicksilver was some sort of mole who was trying to get information out of Wanda, who was aware when characters were talking to the fourth wall. And... Hold on, I'm losing my my train of thought. It became more aware that there was something up with Quicksilver that had nothing to do with the multiverse. Um, it almost seemed like that was... That speculation was replaced by, okay, who's impersonating this character? Because, you know, as if it wasn't enough that he was a different actor completely, and and we know the actual Quicksilver is dead and buried in Sokovia, um, they released a Funko Pop with, like, you know, it was of Quicksilver, but it had quotations around the name Quicksilver. Almost like, oh yeah, he... We're gonna call it, like, in quotations, Quicksilver. You know, pretty clear sign that it's not the real guy. But I really liked his performance in this. You know, it was kind of reminiscent of how he portrayed Quicksilver in uh, the X-Men movies. Uh, but more so, it was definitely Evan Peters playing to the character... What's the word? The character tropes of, again, sitcom shows. He's He's the out-of-town brother. He's the rebel, he's the slouch, he's the cool guy, um, and he plays to those character aspects really well. Um, and again, he's just sort of there to drum up theory and drum up speculation about what's happening in this show, and he does a good job at it. And again, I, I said this in my last uh, episode review, but I'm super satisfied that Quicksilver, the fake Quicksilver, fake Pietro, fake Tro, he is just some dude... You know, Agatha gave him powers, brainwashed him, and just sent him on his way. He's just some guy named Ralph. Um, which, again, Ralph was another mystery throughout the show. Like, th as the show goes on, it does a really good job at, like, looking at speculation, looking at theories, and being like, oh, no, it's actually the most simple thing. Like, this fake Quicksilver guy, the reason he looks like the multiverse version of Quicksilver is because we cast the same guy to throw you off. You know... The reason it seems like, you know, he's trying to get information out of Wanda is because he's being controlled by the villain. Who is very obviously the character you guys have already pointed out. Like, again, WandaVision as a show does a great job at letting people speculate and letting people build up their hopes and then surprise them by giving them the most obvious answer. And I love that. I know people are probably pissed off, like, you know, oh, this was unsatisfying, but it's only unsatisfying because the like the showrunners the showrunners knew people were gonna build up their expectations based on the theories they were hearing online. Like it, it, again, it plays to this perspective thing I was talking about earlier, but it also just plays with I think the conventions of like modern media review. If that makes sense, like when these shows and movies come out the first thing people do is go to YouTube and hear what people have to say about them and hear what their theories are, you know. And I, I do think that the people that are behind WandaVision 
are aware of how media affects our perception of movies and television and how it plays so much into that. And, you know, WandaVision takes that knowledge, they, they take that, you know, awareness that of what we do, what, what re reactors and reviewers do, and use it to their advantage. And then the last two characters I want to talk about, who I think, you know, they have some impact in the show, is Julian Hillard and Jeff Klein as uh, Billy and Tommy, Wiccan and Speed, the kids, the twins. Um, I don't know who played them when they were, like, five or whatever, but at least in their ten-year-old, like, uh, versions, um, they do a lot for the show, too. You know, they break the fourth wall, they have powers, they can grow up on their own somehow. They're definitely a product of Wanda's, you know, reality-bending powers or whatever. But it's still, it's left in the air, like, are they real? Where did, was Wanda really pregnant? How are they, or are they just created from the Mind Stone the same way Vision was? Like, that's kind of a hanging mystery as to what the kids are, if they have souls, what's the deal with the kids? Because we know by the end credit scene, the kids are going to come back in some way. Um, but, like, beyond them as, as characters, because they are kids, you know, they, they serve their purpose of sort of testing Wanda as a character and testing her as a mother, um, and sort of finding their own footing as people and as superpowered kids. Um, I really hope these actors come back to play these characters again, because, you know, for child actors, they do a terrific job. Um, they really get across all their lines really well, and, you know, they're just really good kid actors. Um, I'm always impressed by that, when, when you know, especially when they're as young as this. It's like, it's really cool. You know, it, it gives me the same sense of, like, like, impre I, I was I was impressed, I was as impressed with Billy and Tommy as I was with, like, um, the girl that played X-23 in Logan. I just think it's really impressive when you have these children next to these movie stars who have done their characters for, like, 15 years or something, and they're able to sort of match them in presentation. I think that's really impressive. Um, so, yeah, I really like the kids. I hope they come back. I'm glad nothing sinister was done with them. Like, they weren't, I don't know, turned into monsters, or the two of them didn't end up being villains in the skies. I'm glad they just got to be kids, and we're probably going to see them again, especially because they're wicked and they're wicked in speed. They're, you know, marketable, cash-money uh, kid characters that we can see in future projects. Um, so I'm a big fan of them. Again, across the board... There really wasn't any actor or any character I was dissatisfied with, um, maybe beyond like Hayward and stuff. But again, the show, if you, in terms of acting, just terrific across the board. Um, so from here, we're gonna just dive into some subjects that I wanted to talk about with the show. Um, then we'll go into some hanging mystery plot threads that I'm kind of confused about, uh, and then we'll grade it, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Okay, so in terms of subject matter that I want to talk about, like just some elements to the show that I really want to get my opinion out on, it's just stuff I like. <laughs> um, so what's cool is, as the episodes go on, it becomes more of a Marvel show, right? When the show starts, 
with episode one, which is like the Dick Van Dyke show, and it's supposed to be like the 50s, they shoot it, I found this out like after the fact, but they shot the episode with cameras from the 50s. They they edited the footage and the sound to make it look and sound like a show from the 50s. Like, the sort of graininess, um, the pitch and the tone, uh, any sort of lines on the TV that might have shown up, they did that intentionally to make it match a show from its era. Because if you just shot this, even in black and white, with sort of modern technology and stuff, um, it would look like a flashback scene, but they wanted it to look like exactly look and sound the way of a show from its era. Almost like you could be watching that show in the 1950s. Um, even to the point of, I think everything with the vision was done in like, you know, after, after effects and stuff, but with, um, with like one of the first scenes is vision walking into the kitchen and all these plates are flying by his head because Wanda's levitating them. Um, that's not like those are that's practical effects they use strings and attach them to like the plates and stuff um and it's a, it's a lot of that it's a lot of lighting effects string effects you know um it, and it's all genuine to that time era and that that stays true for the 60s and the 70s i think by the time they get to the 90s and early 2000s um it becomes less impressive because they're not really using it's, they're using more modern equipment, basically. Um, and I, I can't remember exactly, but there's also good attention to detail in the way characters talk and the, the words that they say. There's, there's never, like... You don't get someone saying, dude, until, like, I don't know, the 80s period, the family ties period of the show. Um, and it's really good attention to detail. Um... And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of attention to detail. You know, Vision brings up that his wife is European, you know? Um, what else? What else? But yeah, just the general production. And I also heard that if you listen to the first episode with headphones on, the sound only comes in through one headphone. Um, and that's intentional because back then, sound only sound in television and movies was only in mono. It wasn't in stereo. Um Again, just another feature I really love. I, you know, I got into film and TV um, in high school. Um, that's actually where I met my 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 uh, my fiance Macy. Um, was in a video production class, and I was never super into the production and like, um, what is it, physical technical work that went into making movies and TV. I was always a story guy, I was always a acting performance guy, I just really liked stories and characters. It wasn't until I got into film production class back then that I got to see sort of the other side of things, the more production, work-heavy, um, technical side of, of making a movie or making television. So I don't think I would appreciate all the things they did for WandaVision from a production standpoint uh, without that experience. So, just really cool. I like that a lot. Um, what else here? Um, I think I mentioned this before, but I appreciate that the show was week to week. Um, obviously when Marvel did the Netflix stuff, it was all at once. So you could binge all of Daredevil, you can binge all of Luke Cage, that kind of thing. Um, which is fine. Um, 
but like I think some shows do better binging than others, especially those shows that already exist. Like if you want to binge Friends, that's fine by you, right? That's a way to do it. Um, I'm sure there are some shows if you go back and binge it are even better. You know, kind of like uh, kind of like if you equate it to comic books, some stories are better when you read them all at once than if you're reading each issue week to week. But I think in the terms of WandaVision, I think it can do both. I think, you know, again, I haven't gone back and binged the show, but I'm sure if I did, I'd notice a lot more things, and I'd, you know, it would be a different experience. I probably wouldn't be wondering and speculating. I'd probably appreciate the show much more if I went back and binged it. And maybe I will if, you know, I meet someone who hasn't seen it and wants to binge it with me. Um, because I, I have a tough time just watching television in general. Um, <laughs> other than WandaVision and, like, The Mandalorian... The only other show I really kept up with was, like, the new Digimon anime, and even then I've dropped off that. Like, I'm not good at keeping up with weekly television. Um, but I think it coming out weekly was good because, you know, it, it would have been all done <laughs> if it came out all at once. But, like, it coming out week to week allowed people to... It allowed YouTubers to make videos about each episode, and, it, and then it allowed people to watch and speculate based on the episode and based on, like, videos online. It allowed people to sort of build up their expectations and make conclusions and theories in their heads, which, as a result, like, all the people that made YouTube videos or made, like, little think pieces about, oh, here's what I think's gonna happen in WandaVision. Here's my out-there theory. I'm hoping I'm right, right? Like, it makes content that is not... that's of its time. It's content that's not evergreen at all, like... If you go back and watch a video about episode 3 of WandaVision, you're going to see a bunch of theories and speculation that leads to zero zilch nothing, right? But the fact that it came out week to week and people made like disposable content about the show, while it did build up expectations, it also built up hype for the next episode. I think releasing it week to week really helped gather an audience and get people talking about the show. It got people that weren't interested in the MCU or in superhero stuff at all, and it got them to watch it. Um, I I have family members who haven't seen, who don't really keep up with the MCU all that well, but they wanted to watch WandaVision. I've seen YouTubers who literally just like play The Sims, who never talk about Marvel or the MCU. And they watch WandaVision. And that word of mouth and that speculation and that, you know, interest is what get, got people into the show and will probably keep people around for future Marvel shows and movies. Um, it's a really good way of getting people involved and getting people interested in the show. Because um, otherwise it's like, oh, a show about, like, secondary character one and secondary character two, why would I want to watch that? Well, because people are talking about it all the time. Um... Again, I, I mentioned this before, but I'm a big fan of how this show puts character focus before universe development. You know, they name drop Doctor Strange, they have the Darkhold, um, but other than that, like, they really don't do a lot of, like, they set up Darkhold, they set up Scarlet Witch, they set up Doctor Strange interactions, and they set up um, Monica Rambeau as a, as a superhero, but it's not about that. They don't set up the multiverse, they don't set up mutants. And 
it's not because, you know, they want to disappoint you. It's because the show isn't about that. The show is about Wanda, and it's about Vision. And it's about, it's a character study. It's about Wanda. It's not about the multiverse, not about mutants, not about Fantastic Four, not about Mephisto. It's about this character who is going through a big change, and it's about them and their journey, and, you know, the struggles that come with it. Um, what else? We talked about how a lot of the show seems to be about perspective. It also seems to be about sharing grief and how that, you know, it has its ups and it has its downs. You know, when you are going through something dark and traumatic, when you intentionally share it with people who want to help you, it's it's good. It's supportive. It's 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 part of the process of of moving on. But what WandaVision does is, is it shows the other side of it. It shows that if you're sharing your grief in a way that isn't consensual, if you're brainwashing people and putting your grief inside of them, it's not good for you. It's I mean, it might be good for you, but it's not really. You're in denial, and you're just hurting people. And obviously that isn't something that's entirely relatable when you look at it, look at it that way. But when you look at it more as... Wanda is denying herself the ability to move on, and as a result, she's, you know, she's, she's sharing that grief with people, but not in a productive, honest way. It's, you know, it's almost like the kind of person who is a bummer to be around, who brings you down all the time, who is a cynic and just, you know, can't let you enjoy yourself, but it's not because they want you to suffer, it's because inside they feel like they're suffering, but they don't have it in them to open up about it productively. It's like their way of coping with their sadness is by making you sad. And it's not that they're selfish about it, it's that they just don't know how to do it in a better way. Um, that's sort of how I took Wanda's powers, sort of griefing everyone and putting them in the same traumatic place that she has been in. Um, let's see. It stops at Agatha. Oh, yeah, I like that Agatha's the only villain in the show. I like that there's no, you know, larger threat. Um, and, like, speculation stops at Agatha, too. I like that a lot. Like, when Agatha comes in, she's like, It was me all along. I killed the dog. Haha. -ha. It's like, on one hand, that's a very fun scene, but it's also like, Stop wondering. You've hit gold. Here we are. It's a Marvel show now. No more sitcoms, no more theories, no more wondering about this is about me versus you. And I, and I appreciate that. Again, as someone who wasn't watching the show for the theories or for the wider universe and just wanted to see Wanda go through this experience, um, I appreciate that the show had a very obvious like stopping point to speculation. Like, here we are. This is it now. It's Agatha. Haha. <laughs> um... The commercials were a fun bit. I'm kind of disappointed because there was a theory that the man and woman all, in all the commercials were Wanda's parents. They weren't. Um, they weren't even in like the town. I think it would have worked better if maybe you saw them in the town. Because the commercials, we don't even know who these people are. Or like, I guess we've seen them. Because I think, uh, what is it? The people of Westview mentioned that they've seen the commercials. So... It might just be something that plays in everyone's head when, like, Wanda isn't doing anything important. I don't know. The commercials are still a big mystery. Um, I don't know if the people who watched WandaVision at S.W.O.R.D. saw the commercials, 
if it was in the heads of everyone in the town, or even if, like, again, the man and woman that exist in those commercials are real people. I don't know. They might be. That's sort of a hanging mystery. I don't know what it's doing in the subject area. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with the Infinity Stones. I really don't like that theory. Um, but I do like, you know, the very obvious thing that it's like, these commercials relate back to Wanda's life, and what's happening then, and what's happening now. Um, and then, I've seen a lot of people, it's interesting, people's, like, different opinions about this show. I've had people who are like, or I've seen people who are like, oh, the, I don't like the first three episodes, because I don't know what's going on. Like, it's, it's all just sitcom stuff, I don't get what's happening, they're... They're old, boring sitcoms that, you know, my <laughs> my modern TV viewing mentality just isn't interested in, right? And then they get to episode four, which is the explanation episode, and they're like, alright, cool, I'm into it, I'm glad I slogged through those first three episodes, and now I know what the show's actually about, right? And then I've, had the, I've seen the opposite, where people are like, I really like the mysterious sitcom episodes, because I, you know, from a production standpoint, from, you know, a speculative standpoint, seeing them do their own take on these different eras of sitcom shows is interesting to me, and I like those. But then episode four, it's just kind of generic Marvel stuff, and it's it's the same thing we've seen all the time, and I'm not into that. Um, you could probably, I mean, episode eight, episode eight is sort of like, a mix, because it's Marvel stuff, but it's also flashbacks, so, and it's also the explanation episode, but I think it does it in a better way, because it's, it's an explanation of Wanda's trauma and her past, and what she's been through, but it's set against the ongoing plot between Agatha and Wanda. It's not just flashbacks, which I, you know, appreciate. Um, I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> they're like, they're, these are the real reruns. But episode four, with the, you know, here's what's happening, here's what's happening on the outside of Westview, and I don't know, I didn't feel one way or, or the other about it, I appreciated that episode, I, it felt right, in terms of pacing, by episode four it was like, because episode, through the episodes we've gotten little hints, episode one we got, um, was it, Vision's boss is choking, um, episode two, we got the radio, and uh, Dottie breaking a glass in her hand, episode three, Monica like, you know, blows her cover and then disappears, and then Wanda's like, oh, she had to go home, honey, don't worry about it. Um, you know, all of those serve their purpose, and then episode four we get, like, an actual explanation as to what's going on, and it felt right. Like, pacing-wise, it felt like, okay, yeah, this is where you would sort of explain yourself and be like, here's the, here's the wider picture. I think if they took any longer, um, it probably would have been fine, but if they took any longer, um my my interest in the show wouldn't waver, but I don't know. It, it helped a lot, I think, in the, the watching process. I didn't want to have to spend the whole series of WandaVision just sort of, like, connecting the dots myself. Because, again, this is a show that takes your theories and shits on them, so I think it was good to pepper in episode four as like, okay, here's our standing ground. Here's the context for what's actually happening. Um, I feel like it was properly put in at the right time. And I don't think it broke up the sitcominess of the show either. It didn't ruin the WandaVision in-universe sitcom for me, you know. If anything, it, it, it made me 
more uh, invested in the difference between the real world and, and the WandaVision show. WandaVision show. Um, <clears throat> so that's all the subjects thing. Now we just have ba ba basic questions that are kind of in the air now. Um, we never find out what happened to the, the beekeeper, you know, the sword agent that was sent in through the sewer pipes. Um, who Wanda, you know, saw in episode two and then was like, no. And then it rewinds and, and he goes back in the sewer. We never know what happens to him. Um, I hope he's not dead. I assume he's just, like, stuck in the sewer or something. We, we just never go back to it, which I think is weird. Um, especially when people were sort of speculating that he would be a bigger character. But again, speculation, that's not what the show is about. Um, yeah, that poor beekeeper. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened to him. I don't know where he is. They don't go back to that. Um, we don't know what's happening to Hayward. I guess he just gets arrested, even though... Did he do anything wrong? He, I guess he tried to shoot Monica. I guess, because the kids weren't real. So, you know, he wasn't really endangering people in the, in the town. I think it is just entirely like, oh, he tried to kill uh, Monica. He did try to kill Wanda. But again, I feel like he was within his right. I feel like I feel like Hayward isn't going to jail, like Darcy said that he's going to. I feel like he'll go to jail for a little while, pull some strings, arguments will be made in court, and Hayward will be about, uh, back out there again. I don't think he's going to go back to S.W.O.R.D., but I don't think he's going to stay in jail. Um, you know, He is a silver-haired white man, so he's not going to stay in jail for long. Um, so Beekeeper, that's kind of in the air. Hayward just is kind of gone for a while. The kids, again, that's a very much a hanging plot thread. Like, it, it's my assumption that the kids were undone by the barrier being destroyed, but that their souls exist somewhere. Because Vision, he may or may not have a soul. <laughs> and if he does have a soul, it's clearly part of Wanda now. Um... And, you know, even without a soul, his memories exist in the white vision. But the kids, that's, you know, we don't know what their deal is. Did Wanda actually have kids? Do they have souls? Are they individual people? I don't know. And we don't know where they are. It kind of lines up, though, that they would call out for, for Wanda because we know at least Billy Wiccan has, like, powers similar to her, so... Maybe he exists in the multiverse and he's crying out for her. I don't know. Um, so the kids are a big mystery there. Um, Wanda's powers are sort of explained. It's it's basically implied that she's been a witch since birth. She's some sort of prophesized Scarlet Witch. Um, nothing to do with mutation. The Mind Stone kind of just brought out more of her witchiness. <laughs> um, but it does raise the question of, well, what about Quicksilver? How did his powers manifest what what's is he a mutant was it the mind stone my speculation i made this in like the last review or the last episode review my assumption is that wanda interacted with the mind stone first and it sort of became part of her in that moment and so because quicksilver is her brother and she wanted she didn't want pietro to die like all the other subjects when pietro interacted with the mind stone Instead of it killing him, it, as an extension of Wanda, gave him a superpower so that he, A, wouldn't die, and B, probably wouldn't be killed by Hydra for just, like, surviving the experience. So then Quicksilver's powers were brought on by Wanda's magic, and he just didn't know it, 
you just thought it was the result of the Mind Stone, because in a way it was. But that the reason I think that is because when we meet the fake Quicksilver, who is played by Evan Peters, he has super speed powers, but we know that he was given powers and mind control by Agatha, who is also a witch. So it makes me think that's, that speed is just a spell. Um, it would be really cool if the next time we see Wanda, she's able to give herself super speed. Because super speed and teleportation are very close in nature, and we know that Wanda can teleport now. Um, so I'm kind of hoping maybe in the future she gives super speed to an ally or something. That would be kind of cool. It would take away from Pietro being special, but that's okay. <laughs> he's special because he's Wanda's brother. Um, Monica's future, that's uh, another aspect to this. Again, she's probably going to go meet Nick Fury. She's going to meet some Skrulls. Um, she'll be in Captain Marvel 2. Monica seems like a character they're going to get a lot of mileage out of in the future, um, which, is, which is exciting. I'm really hoping, I don't know, this is nothing against Brie Larson or Carol Danvers or anything, but when I knew about Monica Rambeau in the comics, I knew that she was also Captain Marvel. So it would be cool if maybe Captain Marvel 3, instead of it being Carol, it's Monica. That's all I'm saying. Um, or maybe she shares the Captain Marvel name with Carol, Monica, and uh, Kamala. That would be cool, too. Because then there's three Captain Marvels in Captain Marvel 3. That'd be fun. Um, we have another Vision now. There's White Vision, who has the memories of the original Vision, has the body of the original Vision, but none of the personality. That'll be interesting. I'm kind of thinking he'll just disguise himself as a normal person and then just explore the world. Like, we, like there's not going to be a project focused on the Vision, but we'll get, like, a movie or a TV show where there's a bunch of, you know, world-ending shit happening, and we'll just cut to, like, this dude. I don't know. Just, like, this is a... For example, we'll cut to some guy who lives in, like... South Africa, <laughs> and he's got, like, a family, and he's got, like, a farm or something, and he's just living his life, just hanging out, unsuspect, he's played by, like, a, he's not even Paul Bentley, he's, like, uh, I don't know, who's, uh, who's, a, who's an actor that I can just think off the top of my head, um, uh, he's, like, he's, like, the... <laughs> Oh, I, I wish I could remember his name. There was a show called Sister Sister that Macy and I are watching now. There's a little kid in that who is related, who the actor is related to the twin sisters. He's a grown man in that show, Baby Daddy. If it's just him living in South Africa with a family, and then like Shumagorath is absorbing the earth or something, or Galactus is coming, and he just looks up in the sky and he's like, oh. They need my help. And then he just, like, leaves his family, turns into the White Vision, and then flies off. Like, that's what I want. I want White Vision to be an element of the of the MCU, but not something we ever focus on. Like, he's out there. He's finding himself. He's on his own journey. And one day, he will help humanity again. But for now, he's just, he's just there. He's just out there somewhere. I really, I really like that direction for the Vision. He's not an Avenger anymore. He's not going to hook up with Wanda again. He's his own thing out there on his own. For the first time, Vision is independent on his own. I think that's a cool direction. Um, this is something that I talked about week to week, but I don't know why the show changed eras. I think Wanda maybe just like 
adapted the show to suit certain needs. Like, the more modern it got, the less complicated the story became, if that makes sense. You know, they have to hide their powers. How do the kids work? What do they do for a living? I think Wanda maybe just changed the show over time to become more modern so that it was easier to understand. Otherwise, they never explain why it wasn't just the Dick Van Dyke show the whole way through. Um, the, they do say offhand, like, the sword characters, Darcy and um, Jimmy Woo, they do say offhand that, like, there were episodes of WandaVision that they saw that we, the viewers, didn't see. So, I don't know, maybe every season of Wanda's sitcom changed eras? I don't know, they never explain why the show changed. I mean, we know why in actuality, because, uh, what is it, Wanda watched various American sitcoms growing up, spanning from the 50s to the 2000s, but that doesn't explain why it changed in universe, other than Wanda just wanted it to change, I don't know. I guess because she knew she wanted kids and to get married, and like, she wanted the plot to progress, but she couldn't do that without the setting changing? I don't know, like, why not, why couldn't Billy and Tommy exist in 1960s America? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, the last mystery, and I've, I've seen people complain about this, and it doesn't bother me as much. Where was Doctor Strange the entirety of the show? I had theories that maybe Quicksilver was Doctor Strange in disguise. Um, where, because this is a big magic who's a fudge involving Wanda, and Doctor Strange isn't there at all. I mean, maybe, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the thing is, we're gonna have, the real reason is because Benedict Cumberbatch costs money, but we know that in, that in Doctor Strange 2, Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, Wanda's gonna be in it, there's probably gonna be some closure for WandaVision as a show. We're probably going to get an explanation there. Um, it could be that Doctor Strange um, was busy. Because he is the Sorcerer Supreme. you got to remember he was gone for five years through Infinity War and Endgame. And as the Sorcerer Supreme, it's his job to defend our reality from other realities. So it could be after he came back, you know, after that five-year gap, like, there was just a lot of magic bullshit he had to catch up on, you know? Like... Doctor Strange disappearing for five years is the equivalent of not playing Animal Crossing for a month. You know, he's got a lot of weeds he's got to pull, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, fruit he's got to collect, and, you know, he's got to talk to all of his islanders and, you know, go through the bullshit of them being like, I haven't seen you in weeks or whatever, it's been like forever. Um, he basically abandoned his island, and he's got to come back and, and do some work, you know? Um... Maybe the Sanctum Sanctorum just is really dirty, and all these magical artifacts... Maybe they were stolen. Because, <laughs> like, did did Wong disappear too? I don't think they ever show that, but I think Wong disappeared too. So, like, the Sanctum Sanctorum was left unprotected, so all of Doctor Strange's villains could have come and just stolen his stuff. We, uh, we know Baron Mordo is out there, and we don't know if he got dusted or not. So, yeah... Doctor Strange could have been busy getting his stuff back from his villains or just cleaning up after all these magical messes. He could have been too busy doing that to see what was going on with Wanda. Like, that's a, that's a very solid theory 
that might be confirmed. The other theory, and this is, I don't know, I don't like this one as much, is that Doctor Strange was involved. Like, Doctor Strange and Wong were disguised as sword agents, or maybe Doc was the beekeeper, or Doc was just watching from afar, and he didn't involve himself because at the end of the day it worked out. Like, Wanda let go of the people, Agatha was defeated, Doctor Strange didn't have to get involved because it worked itself out. Um, I don't like that as much because it really makes Doc look like a incompetent asshole, but <laughs> I will say my headcanon is that Doctor Strange had five years of work to catch up on and just couldn't be bothered to look into this Wanda thing. That's my working theory. Also, we know that the Scarlet Witch, by destiny, is supposed to be stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme. So it could be the fact that, like, because this was all caused by Wanda, her magic was so powerful that Doctor Strange, it was, like, invisible to Doctor Strange because of how powerful she is. That's another theory that could be a thing. But uh, I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange, you know, reading up on all this and being like, oh, fuck, where, what was I doing while this is happening? Shit, I, I need to, I need to get to this. When I'm done with my five-year calendar of stuff I missed, I need to get on this right away. All right, WandaVision, it's time to grade you. Please sit down in your desk. I'm gonna grade your paper now. Um, I'm, I'm very afraid to grade your paper because you could probably just turn me into a sitcom character. And knowing me, I'd probably just be the fat guy that works at the convenience store and makes, like, referential humor. I'm, I'd probably be a neckbeard. Uh, <laughs> uh, people would really relate to me in, you know, further watchings and reruns. But ultimately, I wouldn't be included in cast reunions. Um, I'd probably be referenced in the show revival, but not brought back. If I am brought back, I'd probably be brought back for one episode, and I would clearly be had been aged um, in comparison to other characters who have makeup, so they don't look aged as much. Uh, so I'm giving WandaVision, as a show, an A-. minus. Terrific show. I, I loved watching it so much. I loved talking about it so much. I love that Marvel, even all this time later, can pump out something so different and so experimental, and it succeeds so well. Like, this is... so I, I, I almost pity Cap, like uh, Falcon Winter Soldier ugh, and Loki and, and all the other shows they're going to be doing because... What WandaVision did was so different and succeeded so well that it's going to be hard to, to be any other Marvel product going forward, you know? The, um, I'm, I'm just super impressed by the show and everything that went into it, all the acting, all the new characters, all the old characters who got developed. Um, just a super great experience. Watching it was so great, too, because, you know... It's pandemic era, baby. We're all talking about stuff that we're binging and watching. And, you know, it, it's all streaming services now. Like, this couldn't have come out at a better time. It's almost like the coronavirus benefited WandaVision because all people are doing now is watching TV and talking to each other online and stuff. So, you know, it, it just hit all the right points. The only reason it's an A-, minus, not an A or an A+, plus, um... For all the quality, for all the acting, all that stuff. The fight towards the end between Wanda and Agatha was, you know... It had a lot of good references. It had like a clever conclusion. 
Um, but I just think in terms of Agatha's, you know, fight against Wanda, it could have been more creative. Um, again, I'm, I'm satisfied with the rune stuff, but again, there's a lot of hanging plot threads that I don't think we're ever going to get to, like the beekeeper, you know, like, uh, the commercials and stuff. Um, but, you know, look, an A-minus isn't a bad grade to go out on, okay? Um... I think if it tied up nearly everything it was talking about, it probably got in a higher grade from me. Um, if Agatha used spells that, like, were more creative... Because, like... I hate, to, I hate to say this, but even Doctor Strange 1 was more creative in its, in its usage, usage of magic than Agatha Harkness in the show. And it's just kind of disappointing in that aspect. But... Um, Again, super great show. If you haven't watched it, I don't know what the hell you're doing because WandaVision is such a good show. And and now it's all out, so you can binge it. I know they're doing a making of episode. You can probably check that out. Maybe there'll be some Easter eggs. Um, and it it it's a really good first step into this Disney Plus era of the MCU. I'm super satisfied with the show. I'm really looking forward to other shows that they're, they're going to be doing. Um... And, you know, for as much as I love the show, part of me is really happy that I get to stop talking about it for a little while and sort of just look forward to what else the MCU has to offer. So, yeah, that's my long review of WandaVision. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed watching the show with me. And I hope you're looking forward to Falcon Winter Soldier as much as I am. And, uh, yeah, just great show. I'm drained as all hell, and I'm not, I'm, I have to record a Digimon thing today, um, yeah, I'm gonna drink some coffee, maybe take a nap, <laughs> I mean, not in that order, I'll, I'll, I'll take a nap and then drink a coffee, and then I'll probably be good for the day, I hope, <laughs> but yeah, as always, thank you for watching, listening, all that good stuff, um, so much, I, I do this because I like it, and if you guys like it too, then that's just icing on the cake for me. Um, and I'm more of a fan of the icing than, than the cake most of the time. So, you can follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on YouTube. Um, leave comments. You know, the, 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 the back and forth is something I always appreciate. I love it. Uh, and as always, again, I'll say this till I die. Thank you so much for listening to my opinions, my theories, you know, my thoughts, and yeah, have a good day, stay safe, um, we will get through this era, <laughs> um, I, I hate to, you know, be a downer and bring it down to reality, but we will get through this no matter how hard it is, this is a big deal in our country, and uh, I have confidence that even if it takes a while, it will end one day. So, stay safe. Thank you again. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.